0: Fomi was spying on Trump. The reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh, wait. Unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. Many pieces of news to talk about, including an enemies list confirmed at the uh, Deep State State Department and new information about Joe Biden and a altercation he allegedly was in with a Secret Service agent. Uh, plus, I'll provide an update on the latest in terms of the violent insurrection and uh, the attack on our constitutional republic, which is ongoing. So I guess I will start off with that. You may recall last week I talked about uh, my visit to the White House. My wife and I were over there watching the uh, 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 the president's acceptance speech of the uh, Republican uh, Party uh, nomination I wasn't there for Judicial Watch, I was there in my personal capacity. But the Judicial Watch side of this is my witnessing the violent leftists surrounding the White House after the event was over. So you had guests of the President of the United States having to walk out into the street just outside the White House complex into mobs of violent leftists. Many of uh, the President's guests were harassed, famously uh, Ram Paul, the senator from Kentucky, was harassed. He could have been killed, but for the intervention of D.C. police, that just happened to be there. Uh, but the rest of us were left to our own devices. And now, um, you know, they stayed away from, from me, uh, but they harassed Dan Bongino, so it's not like they're intimidated by anybody. They harassed him. Of course, they didn't lay a hand on Dan, but they followed him for nearly a mile, Ah, uh, making terroristic threats against him and his wife. Police nowhere to be found, and uh, on top of that, I was concerned that just the security generally was awful. Not just the D.C. police, which you know has uh, often been uh, a wall because of the politicians running D.C. Uh, the Secret Service uh, seemed to uh, be uh, overwhelmed in some respects, sending people out of the White House complex. Uh, into um, uh, into this mob, and on top of that, it looked to me like the complex could have been overrun if uh, the leftists had decided to run in there. And I don't mean literally overrun, but I didn't think the complex was even secure. And indeed, if there's political violence within two or three blocks of the White House, I don't think the complex is secure generally. So uh, you know, the D.C. police, as I said last week. Uh, We can't trust the left-wing politicians running the D.C. police to be there in the event of this insurrectionist violence because that's what it is. You may recall a few months ago when they were outside the White House trying to take over the White House, the president reportedly was moved into the bunker. That's how bad it got. So uh, other than the president intervening by bringing in a National Guard and other federal authorities, who knows? They could have lost the city. I mean, you think our republic is safe, it is not safe. If politicians are not going to confront and stop the communist insurrectionists that are trying to disrupt our and overthrow our republic. And and the violence is deadly, the violence is real. We had this uh, Antifa, uh, Antifa, I don't know how it's pronounced it, but it's, they're communists uh, involved in a shooting out in, uh Portland just got up and shot a man and uh, the the M- u s marshal service led a, uh, a a a group of officers to go and get the alleged shooter and evidently it's just happening now or just happened a few hours ago there was a firefight I shouldn't say a few hours ago it happened last night and uh, thankfully there were no law enforcement personnel harmed but this antifa communists violent by the way he has a violent record he'd been arrested several times but let out nevertheless he was killed so this is what i think we need to do i think the president should be encouraged to invoke the insurrection act in portland specifically in seattle he should federalize the dc police the home rule act here in dc allows the dc police to be federalized in the case of an emergency by the president. And I think it's an emergency. Do you think it's an emergency? I think it's an emergency. And uh, and he should take whatever other steps necessary to secure the republic. Uh, under law, of course. I mean, I'm not asking any for anything that the law doesn't allow. The Insurrection Act is a law. He can invoke the law. Federalizing the D.C. police, that is part of federal law governing the operations of the District of Columbia. And I'm concerned that the violence will uh, seep into Election Day. What makes us think that the violent left won't won't pursue violence against voters on Election Day? Indeed, uh, if you read the New York Times, if you read this organization uh, report called the Transition Integrity Project, which is an a leftist wargaming scenario that uh, has the left uh, in their wargaming of the election uh, talking about relying on street protests and threatening secession from the United States. They want to break the country up if President Trump wins. That That was their planning document. They're wargaming a secession movement in order to install of president biden if it doesn't turn out the way they like so um i mean we're facing threats of violence associated with the election and i don't say that lightly we were the violence is happening now and we're expected to believe it will stop on election day now the left is nervous about it the leftist politicians are trying to persuade the communists that oh you're you're going to help you're not helping politically as if that's the problem with it. You know, they they object to it for political reasons as opposed to moral and rule of law is- reasons. And of course, the communists don't care about that. They were trying to burn the home of the Portland mayor who is a fellow traveler and allied with them. He lives in a big condo building and they were trying to burn the building down, kill him and his neighbors. So bad that he's looking for another place to live. They don't care about Democrats. That's why it's so dangerous for these Democrats to be kind of coddling and condoning and defending and ignoring the violence by these communist insurrectionists because they want to burn the country down. And you think they make a distinction between Democrats and Republicans? They may see Democrats as useful for a particular purpose or a particular period of time, but everyone will be targeted. No one is safe in a revolution like the communist plan. So I don't know what the politics of the president doing this would be. But look, you know, the governors, they're on the front lines. If they're not going to defend the rule of law in the republic, the president has to step in. He has to. I mean, I I don't say again this lightly, but the president and the governors, the governors are on the front lines, the governors don't wanna do it. The president could be all that stands between the rule of law and the end of our constitutional republic. And that's the way the system is set up. He's commander in chief. He has this insurrection act power. The Oregon governor, the, the Portland authorities allowed Rampaging, rampaging communists to uh, run through the streets for months, try to burn and murder police. Federal officials, federal police, federal law enforcement, burn down courthouses. This is deadly serious and uh, We have to think about how it is we protect the Republic under law and I'm highlighting what can be done. And I would encourage you uh, to push your elected officials to be sure uh, to stand against violent, the violent insurrectionists. I mean, the, the left likes to say the protests are mostly peaceful. We're not talking about protests. Protests, people can protest all they want. It's a free country, more or less, right? Protest, I don't care about people protesting. People protest about stuff I agree with, people protest about stuff I don't agree with, but that's what makes America great. We're not talking about protests. We're talking about armed insurrection. I don't mean, well, literally armed in the case of the Antifa alleged murderer, but when they're they're armed with other weapons that can kill and maim, a laser, They're using lasers to uh, try to blind police. That's armed. Well, that's that's someone who's armed. So don't be fooled by the mostly peaceful protests lie you're hearing from the media. These are not protests. This is an insurrection, and it needs to be ended. And And what can we do about the election? Well, you know, the president, he's driving the left crazy by highlighting the fact that uh, uh, he said that people should, uh, if they're going to vote by mail, they should show up and make sure the votes are counted at the polling place and then vote if their votes haven't been counted. I don't know technically how that works in each state. I don't know if, it's, if that can happen in every state. But he's highlighting the, the fact that voting by mail is such a, a grave risk to you if you want your vote counted. The percentage likelihood of your vote being not counted is significantly greater if you use an absentee ballot, a mail-in ballot than if you vote in person. Everyone knows that. Your vote is more likely to be stolen, compromised, intercepted, not counted, or challenged if you vote by mail. So as I've been saying, don't vote by mail if you can avoid it, vote in person. And if your state uh, requires you to vote by mail, you know, drop it at a location that you, where you put it into, uh, Well, at best, hand it to a human being. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't leave it in any of these ballot boxes. I don't trust that either. Sitting on the street, the equivalent of a mailbox. Do you think that's secure enough for your vote? Maybe you do. More power to you. I'm just giving you my point of view. But the males in the primary elections, Five hundred th- these these primary elections this year. And I'm getting this data from the Washington Post. So all you lefties who like to do your fake fact checking, go look it up. Five hundred and thirty four thousand ballots were thrown out that were mailed in. So in two thousand sixteen, the number of mailed in ballots that were thrown out in the general election alone was only three hundred and nineteen thousand. So during the primaries, we've got even a bigger number and then you can imagine what it's gonna be like when there are 51 million ballots mailed out to people who haven't asked for them, 44 million ballots mailed out to ballot applications mailed out to people who haven't asked for them. The system will be awash in nearly 100 million ballot and ballot applications that no one asked for. That's a recipe for voter fraud, it's a recipe for chaos. And when you link that up with the planned violence, I mean, how do I know they plan violence? I read about it in the New York Times. They're they're planning for it. And so when you hear talk about litigation, litigation is only one part of the left strategy. For them, your vote doesn't matter. They have a result and they're gonna to get to it no matter what. You have may have seen a report about some Bloomberg Associated Group I uh, talked about the red mirage. And the red mirage is that Trump wins on election day and days later after they, they, quote, count the mail-in ballots, he loses. When they're kind of telling us how an election could be changed through this unreliable mail-in ballot program. And so sure enough now, uh, like in 2016 and like ever since then, any criticism of mail-in ballots, any criticism of anything the left wants to do this year is part of Russia propaganda. Oh, yeah, didn't you know that? You're a Russian stooge if you question mail-in ballots. You're a Russian stooge if you raise questions about Joe Biden. I'm not saying vote for or against, and that's not that's not what we do here at Judicial We're We're prohibited from doing it, actually. But I see the dishonest left misusing the powers of government and— uh, misleading people through the media, to suggest that uh, any questions about their political, politically favored candidates are the result of Russia disinformation. But the coup has not stopped, folks. The coup has not stopped. So what do you do about elections? Well, vote in person if you can. Encourage others to vote in person. Educate yourself about the rules of your state, about how you're able to vote in person. Make sure you're registered to vote. If you've moved recently, make sure your name is off the rolls in the place that you've moved from. Again, all of this is available online. It can tell you how to both make sure you're registered to vote and how to communicate with uh, your prior state if you've moved recently, or even from, um, if you've moved within a state, if you've moved across the state, You could be registered twice. It's not impossible. So you just make sure that your name isn't still floating around out there. Um, And secondly, you can become a poll watcher by working for the candidate of your choice or with the political party of your choice or interest group of your choice. It depends on the law of your state. Your states all have individual laws related to how poll watchers can um, participate in the process. And then of course you can actually work as a poll worker, where you're hired by local election officials uh, to uh, help run the polls and count ballots and do the sorts of things that I'm talking about. And uh, that is something you should think about doing as well if you're able. Uh, A, it, it helps secure the election for not only this election, but once you're credentialed like that, you get used to doing it, you can do it for other elections as well. We need good people to run the elections. And they don't ask about your politics. You know you're expected that you'll operate in good faith. So uh, poll workers, you know that's it's it's, um, it's something available to all Americans to work the polls. And of course, the left organizes their people to go work the polls. and it doesn't mean they're necessarily cheating, right? But certainly, uh, if you're concerned about these issues, there's an opportunity for you to play a direct role in our election process by working the poll. So you can uh, right now uh, go to the EAC website, EAC.gov, type in how to become a poll worker, all sorts of stuff will pop up, or you just type it in generally on the internet, and you can find how to become, how to find out how to become a poll worker in your state. But you got to do it relatively soon. I don't know this for a fact, but I suspect they they need to have the bodies in place uh, sooner rather than later. So the sooner you get it done, the better. The other thing you should do in terms of voter fraud uh, is uh, find out from your local U.S. attorney. And there's a U.S. attorney usually kind of like uh, for, for your area and at the federal level. Find out who that U.S. attorney is. Call the office. Find out who the person that they have tasked with, who, who is it they've designated to handle voter fraud concerns so that if there are issues raised, that you can talk to that person or you can tell others to talk to that person. Maybe there's a hotline. Is there a hotline for voter fraud? Find out what it is. And if one isn't there, ask why isn't there one been one set up? The same goes for local district attorneys. What are they doing to monitor the polls? There are two things they need to do. Uh, and this is this is what law and order, this is what the rule of law should be. Make sure no one's vote is being interfered with, making sure the polls are secure, right? And secondly, making sure that there's no fraud. And if there's fraud, who is it you call to report concerns about? So find that out from your local law enforcement authorities, your local district attorney and their local U.S. attorney. You're You're not reporting anything. You just want to find out who you need to talk to and who others can talk to if there are issues that arise around election day. So you're not blindly calling around saying, hey, I saw this go on and you can't even, You can't even make a, 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 you can't even tell anyone about it. Now, you know, look, by and large, if you're listening to me, things will probably be okay where you're voting, right? But I've warned you what the issues are with the mail-in ballots. I've warned you that there's gonna be litigation. I've warned you that they're threatening demonstrations and violence. I've warned you that they're gonna plan to go to Congress to try to overturn potentially the results of the election. I've warned you that on January 20th, if things are still stalled and no one has, there's been no president chosen under the electoral college or certified by Congress, the president of the United States, the acting president, will be speaker of the house at that time, Nancy Pelosi, maskless Nancy Pelosi. So these are all the things I'm. I'm not trying to worry you, but I'm highlighting the issues that I think are you know in a regular election year we probably not never really worry about it but i don't think this is a regular election year and uh, of course you know who knows maybe on election day trump wins by a large margin or biden wins by a large margin and there's really no credible way that fraud could have been involved in the margins more or less but you know that's not that's a, a possibility on either side my view is more li- likely it will be closer than that and so the issues of fraud and when the ballots are counted and who's counting them and all that, that's going to be major. And this is where the left sees an opportunity to pressure officials through protests and violence. They're planning it. And of course, Judicial Watch is directly in court now, trying to clean up the rolls in North Carolina and Pennsylvania. We've educated you, obviously, about what you can do here. And uh, we've uh, already sued in California successfully, at least to curtail in part, The crazy scheme there that would have resulted in ballots being mailed to people that were almost certainly to have moved away or died. I mean, that was their plan until Judicial Watch sued to stop it. So um, we're going to be looking for other opportunities to enforce the rule of law where it's under attack on elections over the next two months. And I encourage you to contact us if there's anything local that you think we need to be doing. Go to our website. You can find out how to contact us there. But you know we're we're on it, folks. We are on it, and I encourage you to be on it as well. Because, as I say, the Republic's at stake, and I think our elections are at risk this year. So, um, so moving on to what we've actually been finding in terms of documents, you know, there's all this noise this week about uh, what the president said about. Uh, uh, the heroes buried in cemeteries based on four anonymous sources, which I don't, I don't buy that story. But that's what passes for journalism. Four anonymous stories, uh, journalists, excuse me. A journalist has four anonymous sources, the president adamantly denies it. Other people, both friends and opponents of the president, uh, uh, deny it, both officially and outside of government. And yet the story is treated as if it's true. But then when Judicial Watch gets documents that show government misconduct, it's not anonymous sources, the, gov- the, the media ignores it. But uh, thankfully we have the internet alternative media that get the word out to you. This is why they hate the internet. This is why they wanna suppress conservatives on the internet. This is why they wanna suppress alternative news sources, even like Fox and One America News and Newsmax and all the independent conservative media publications online is because we provide an alternative source for the truth because you're not getting it from the media, which are more or less just liberal advocacy groups, not even, uh, advocacy group is a kind word. They're more like political action committees in many respects. And so sure enough, Judicial Watch has gotten some uh, astonishing documents that confirmed our initial journalism that there was an enemies list created out of the Ukraine embassy by uh, Ambassador Marie Ivanovich's team. She was then ambassador to Ukraine. Remember, she was originally appointed by Obama, kept on by President Trump, were reappointed, and Trump finally pulled her back. And it looked like in March of 2000. I think 19, she had, uh, her team had compiled a, a list of American citizens, all of whom were associated with Trump world somehow, all, virtually all of whom, to target for illicit monitoring. So we had reported that. Ivanovich denied, didn't deny that it was taking place during her uh, testimony in the impeachment coup attack on President Trump. She's an anti-Trumper. She eventually, is re- she, she uh, I think she res- she's retired. So the documents we so we asked for documents about this scheme, and it confirmed everything we had reported. There was an enemies list. It was being used to target the Trump team, and it was likely illegal. And they were warned about it. This is a headline: Judicial Watch. State Department records show U.S. Embassy in Ukraine monitored Sean Hannity, Laura Ingraham, Donald Trump Jr., Rudy Giuliani, journalists and other U.S. citizens in potential violation of federal law. So we got about 375 pages of documents. I wish I could print them out and show them to you, but I'm I'm obviously not at the office. Showing that the Ukrainian embassy under, again, then Ambassador Marie Ivanovich, was monitoring the social media accounts, specifically Twitter it looks like, of these innocent Americans. Now we wonder what does the law have to do with that? What, why can't they do that? Well, you know, there's nothing in law that prevents a government official from looking at your Twitter account, just looking at it, right? But if they wanna start compiling reports about the content of that account and sharing it in an official capacity with others in the government, that's kind of like creating a file on you, right? And that type of activity is severely constricted or restricted by a federal law, among other laws, called the Privacy Act. It protects your privacy. It means the government can't create files on you improperly. And that's exactly what was going on in the Ukraine embassy as they were desperately trying to keep Ambassador Ivanovich in her job as they were trying to suppress questions about Ukraine's efforts with Obama to subvert the election in 2016 and subvert questions about what – uh, the Soros Connected Group was doing there in Ukraine, also involved in the elections, and to suppress questions about, of course, Joe Biden and Burisma and that entire mess. And so what they did was use government employees to track Americans and what they were saying about the topics I just raised. And who are the people they were tracking? Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, Rudy Giuliani. So you had Rudy Giuliani, the president's lawyer, being improperly tracked by the government. Dan Bongino, uh, you know Dan, Sebastian Gorka, John Solomon, Jack uh, Posobiec, uh, Jack works for OANN, Ryan Savidra, uh, who's a reporter, I think he's with the Daily Wire, Sarah Carter, who you know from Fox, the president's son, the president's son, Donald Trump Jr. Michael McFaul, who was actually an Obama appointed, used to be a Russia ambassador, I think. So he's kind of the, um, the outlier there, but he is on the list. Lou Dobbs, you all know the great Lou Dobbs, and Pamela Geller, who's a, a conservative activist out of New York on, on international issues and anti Semitism and battling um, radical Islam. The search terms that were monitored. by State Department officials on the social media included Yovanovitch, Ukraine ambassador, Ukraine ambassador, Ukrainian ambassador, Ukraine Soros. It's interesting how Soros's name keeps on popping up in these scandals. Clinton campaign, campaign Clinton, and Biden Burisma. And the emails also show that Yovanovitch, Yovanovitch excuse me, was aware of this monitoring. So this is the result of a Judicial Watch lawsuit. We had done the initial reports. We had listed those names previously. We have the documents that show that list was exactly right. And that the search terms were even more political than we thought. You know, when we first reported it, we had a source tell us This is not an obscure rule. I mean, the Privacy Act and that law and the other laws like that. Everyone in public diplomacy or public affairs know they can't make lists and monitor US citizens unless there is a major national security reason. If the illicit operation occurred, it seems to indicate a clear political bias against the president and his supporters. Ivanovich, as we reported, a career diplomat who also led American embassies in Kyrgyzstan and Armenia, Kyrgyzstan, excuse me, and Armenia, Armenia, was appointed ambassador to Ukraine by Obama in 2016. So she was there during the election season. She was recalled by the State Department in May of last year. And um, now she's no longer a State Department official. This is what the email says. Monitor, this is the subject of the email, monitoring developing US social media narratives on Ukraine. Hi, thanks very much for your notes. The English language English language Twitter search phrases we're currently using for the issues are, as I said, Ivanovich, Yovanovich common misspelling, so two spellings of the name. Ukraine ambassador, Ukrainian ambassador, Ukraine Soros, We're also monitoring the tweets of roughly 10 high-profile U.S.-based social media users, verified accounts with large numbers and followers, who have already commented on this particular issue before, either on social media or on television. See if they had posted something newly, new relevant to this issue that does not directly align with our search terms. So not only were they using the search terms to search, but they were carefully monitoring them directly. And so what they needed was help in the state. So the Ukrainian embassy is doing this and they wanted the State Department in Washington DC to provide support because they couldn't do it 24/7. So they thought the State Department in Washington DC should do it. And the State Department said, uh, hold on a second. Let me read you what he wrote in response. The official whose name is redacted. Going to chime in here. So regarding the influencers, There are some legal implications of making a list of Facebook influencers, of Twitter influencers, since they are technically private citizens, even though they're publicly on the Internet. And we cannot compile them into a list and monitor what they're saying using a third-party application without their knowledge. To see what they're saying, you unfortunately need to use the old-school way and manually go to their feeds and view and view that way, cumbersome, but it's in compliance with the Privacy Act of 1974. And what they had been doing was using this CrowdTangle uh, program, uh, which then was available to them that helped them monitor social media. It was created by, I think it was brought out by Facebook and Facebook eventually stopped letting the government use it for purposes like this. And you know who else was involved? It was this Ambassador Kent who seemed to be very much concerned about what was going on. And you may recall him as being uh, one of the uh, witnesses in uh, the coup attack on President Trump. And this is what Kent wrote about it. Excuse me, but I have to use my phone to look all this up. Kent writes, key thing is to get up to running speed from the get-go. And he made it clear, Kent, that he wanted this for political purposes. It wasn't because they were looking at what people were saying generally about it. He wanted to know who was attacking them. And you know, I told you last week about another set of documents we had uncovered from the Struck Page emails, Peter Struck, Lisa Page, showing that uh, Struck and the Comey FBI started investigating Trump's tweets after he criticized. Obama for spying on him, and of course, the FBI indirectly. So you got the president of the United States being illicitly targeted by the FBI for sending out First Amendment-protected tweets, and here you have his family, his lawyer, and journalists, and conservative activists also being improperly targeted, all around the same time, by the way, March through May of 2017. I mean, you think Spygate is just about Trump. It ain't about just Trump. It's about all Americans. Because when you look at the documents, you will see, I'm not listing every American who was caught up in this dragnet. There are other Americans, I don't know who they are. They were caught up too because they dared to tweet or comment on this anti-Trump ambassador who evidently was trying to cover up misconduct in Ukraine related to President Trump and Joe Biden. Incredible stuff. So I encourage you to go online and read it all. That's what I love about Judicial Watch, because we put the document, you know, you can't argue with the documents. I guess you can, maybe the documents don't tell you what's actually happening. But we're reporting what's in the documents here, and so if you don't like my interpretation of them, I don't know what's not to like, but if you don't like it, you can go and look at the documents yourself and say, well, fitting. Let's, let's, let's see if he's right about what went on here. You go and look at them. 300 pages, take a few hours to read through. You'll be shocked. I can't go through every document that I think is shocking here. But when I see a list of Americans targeted for spying, and it is spying, when they compile a file on you, it's the same as someone clipping newspaper clips based on you and putting it in a file for further use that's what they were doing there in the ukrainian state department until it was stopped and i don't even think it was really stopped because the email suggests that i'm not confident that even manually doing that is appropriate under the law i mean look at listen to this line the list of tweeters has many of the heavy hitting amplifiers we need to be aware of. Sarah Carter should be added, you know Sarah, since she often acts as an amplifying vanguard for issues that then get picked up on Hannity. Giuliani too. Unbelievable stuff. And what is the media doing with this? Nothing, nothing. Is DOJ investigating this? I doubt it. Privacy Act, that's a crime to violate the Privacy Act. There's enough here to investigate not only the testimony of those involved. Again, I don't know if they testified truthfully or not. I haven't analyzed it closely, but I hope the Justice Department's analyzing it. And what about the violations of the Privacy Act? This is another example of Judicial Watch doing the heavy lifting where the Justice Department refuses to do it. Congress refuses to do it they had they I guarantee you they had this information but they haven't released it and of course the state departments had this I think we that we reported on this in um, October of last year maybe it was October of last year so it was a long time ago when we asked about it for, uh, let me see, let me see. I want to get the specifics. Oh, yeah, we began our investigation in October last year. It took them nearly a year to get us these 300 documents. And believe you me, they've had the documents since the beginning of the year, at least. And they just sat on them. So I guess better late than never. So uh, we are going to continue to pursue this issue. I don't know, maybe the people who were, um, had their uh, rights violated, maybe they can sue. We'll see if they're gonna sue, maybe they'll sue. So we're not done with Ambassador Yovanovitch because uh, she allegedly gave a do not prosecute list to the Ukrainians. Of course, the do not prosecute were people tied uh, to um, uh, the anti-Trump pro-Biden efforts. And there's controversy about whether that happened or not. So we're suing for that. Of course, State Department's been stonewalling the release of that information as well. So this is what I think the president should do generally. He should declare a transparency emergency and order the agencies to release all records about all the Obama scandals that we're talking about. Everything. Don't wait for Durham. Durham's, it's already too late for Durham. I told you that last week. It's already too late. I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, you can see the judges of the courts are going to continue to harass General Flynn. Just so you know, we're, we haven't given up on the Clinton matter. Even though the Justice Department's been fighting us on it, trying to shut it down. Adam Schiff. We haven't given up on Adam Schiff either. You may recall that there was an adverse court ruling where we were trying to get information about his secretly subpoenaing and then publishing the phone records of Americans. An absolute violation of the rule of law, in my view, and the civil rights of those Americans, including the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. Journalist John Solomon was targeted here. Devin Nunes was targeted by Schiff, so we've filed an appeal there, or filed a notice of appeal. So we're gonna keep on pushing. And and the rule of law continues to be kind of throttled by uh, these leftists in the courts. So I told you that Judge Sullivan, um, uh, well, I didn't tell you this, so the full appellate panel, the en banc panel, Uh, gave Judge Sullivan another bite of the apple to continue his judicial harassment of President, excuse me, of General Flynn. I think the President should pardon General Flynn. Judge Sullivan's going to try to drag this out in a way as to make it impossible for Flynn to get out of it. He should just pardon him. And it's not about General Flynn. Of course, it is about General Flynn, but it's also about attacking the presidency by unlawfully removing through criminal activity The president's national security buyers are Flynn, making it harder for him to conduct his job as president. That's why he should be pardoned. I mean, even the judges, they were saying, well, how come we're letting – there was a fight within – I encourage you to go read that decision, the political decision, allowing Judge Sullivan to continue to harass General Flynn. You know what they were fighting about? Why is it we're letting Hillary Clinton off the hook but keeping General Flynn on the hook? Hillary Clinton. You know she, her her misconduct and the desire to cover it up corrupted the Justice Department even further, corrupted the FBI, and you can see here in the courts, it's even disrupted the fair administration of justice. The politics surrounding keeping Hillary Clinton um, safe from full accountability uh, results in all sorts of misconduct in all areas of government, and I think. The way the courts have handled her discovery, or a question, or a quest to co- uh, question her, has been terrible, and it undermines the fair administration of justice. And we're seeing that again with General Flynn. I mean, they tell us a week ahead of time, a few weeks before they rule, well, you know, Hillary Clinton gets this radical protection from having to be questioned under oath, and Judge Flint, uh, General Flynn, is facing unprecedented harassment from a court, but he gets no protection. That doesn't tell you about the politics of judges and the partisan corrupt nature of what has happening here too often. Because some of these judges sometimes rule the right way. I mean, sometimes they let the law run run its course. In this case, though, I think it's all politics, it's, and it's just awful to see. <clears throat> so, uh, what else is happening? Oh, something about Joe Biden you're going to want to hear about. So. There was this story in the Gateway Pundit, which is a, um, a, one of these alternative blogs that the media hates. And the story quoted someone as saying the following. The Gateway, publish, uh, Gateway Pundit uh, published a uh, republished a 2017 report alleging that an unidentified Secret Service agent was suspended for a week in 2009 for, quote, shoving Biden, Joe Biden, after he cupped his girlfriend's breast while the couple was taking a photo with him. The situation got so heated that others had to step in to prevent the agent from hitting then the then vice president, according to the report. Well, isn't that interesting? That report obviously is interesting. I don't know if it was true or not. We didn't know if it was true. One of the ways we figure out if it's true is to use the law called the Freedom of Information Act to get documents about the incident and presumably the Secret Service would have documents. So we asked quite specifically, we were, didn't give them any out here. We said, we want all records related to a reported incident in 2009 in which the United States Secret Service agent reportedly was involved in an altercation with or attempted to strike then Vice President Joe Biden during a photo opportunity. The records sh- sought shall include, but not be limited to witness statements, the agent statement, victim statement, alleged perpetrator statement, incident reports, investigative reports, communications among USS personnel regarding the incident and disciplinary records related to the incident for the agent in question. And what was the response we got from the agency? The Secret Service appeared to confirm that something had happened. Secret Service appeared to confirm specifically that a file on the alleged incident existed at some point, asserting There are no responsive records or documents pertaining to your requests in our files because the above-mentioned files have been destroyed due to retention standards. Secret Service added that no additional information is available. It did not deny the incident had occurred. And, of course, in our lawsuit, Judicial Watch, we just filed the lawsuit, plans to test the assertion that it destroyed all the records about the incident. So what's really odd about this case is we had no idea whether the story was true or not until the Secret Service itself suggested it destroyed records about the incident. And look, this is we didn't misread the document. They made it, and in fact, we appealed, saying, "What's going on here? You saying you destroyed records about this?" And and they ignored it so we filed the lawsuit now i don't know if it's i mean they're suggesting something had happened because there seems to suggest that there are records on it so we'll see what happens but isn't this a curious case you know i've been doing this for i've been a judicial watch for 22 years now and um this is pretty unusual that you know we 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 see this report is it true or not? Who knows? So we do our Freedom of Information Act request and then boom, <laughs> the agency says, oh, well, yeah, we don't have any records because we destroyed records about the incident. Whoa, well, that just, that's a kind of a back, a, a, a interesting way to confirm that the incident certainly took place. Now, what is the Just Secret Service gonna do in response to our lawsuit? I don't know. Are they gonna come back and say that they misspoke? and that they really meant to say that there were no records because nothing happened. I don't know. But you know this, this fits a pattern with Joe Biden in the sense that you have these other allegations against him. So wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising if some type of incident had taken place. We have this issue with Tara Reid. I don't know if she um, is, is uh, accurate in her recollection of a sexual assault. And of course, we have a separate lawsuit against the University of Delaware over his secret Senate records. Judicial Watch and the Daily Caller News Foundation. We want Biden's secret Senate records. It's not even about the sexual harassment issue. It's, a, I guess, in part, there could be documents there about it. It's also, is, um, are we going to have the full record that is technically ought to be available to the American people as a man is running for the presidency? You know, typically Senate record, records are not available under the Freedom of Information Act because he gave them to the to Delaware the University of Delaware and taxpayer monies look to be being used to maintain them, they are subject to to being uh, disclosed. And of course, I don't know why we have to sue. Of course, if you had an honest media, they'd be repressing uh, Mr. Biden to release his Senate records. They're available. They're already, you know, they're one nice little location. So it's again, it's up to Judicial Watch to do the basic heavy lifting for government accountability as we uh, proceed. And this work is never gonna stop. It doesn't stop if Trump wins, and obviously it won't stop if President, if uh, Vice President Biden wins. And it won't stop if there's an acting President Pelosi either. So you can trust Judicial Watch to continue uh, to uh, promote accountability, transparency, and integrity in government politics and the law, because few others here in town are doing it. I want to thank you for joining us this week and I'll see you next week on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org donate.